Somewhere between science and superstition, there is another world.
my god, it was so terrible. Finish your popcorn. Fifty years ago, coming up <laughs> months from now, we will celebrate the 50th anniversary of The Exorcist. Directed by William Friedkin, who had earlier directed and won an Academy Award for making The French Connection. And they took William Peter Blatty's book, and well, the rest is history. And I wanted to play those clips, first the trailer and then the late Mercedes McCambridge, okay, who did the voice of the demon in The Exorcist. Now, in Hollywood, sometimes things slip through the cracks. What happened to Mercedes McCambridge? First of all, she was an Academy Award winning actress for All the President's Men. And there's a clip of her, and if you hear her laugh, it sounds just like the demon in The Exorcist. She was that good because Friedkin wanted someone whose voice was had male characteristics and female characteristics. And her voice was very androgynous for that time. Nobody sounded like Mercedes McCambridge. Nobody. Now, the film... Mm, we need to talk about this film. 50 years. <laughs> Came into audiences in December of 1973. It had to get an R rating instead of an X rating. Music by the late Jack Nietzsche. Jack Nietzsche, who did music for a lot of movies and was an original member of Neil Young and Crazy Horse. He was in Crazy Horse. A lot of people don't remember that. See these little tidbits that I pick up. So Ellen Burstyn, the late Max von Sydow, the late Lee J. Cobb. Is Kitty Wynn still alive? Let's see. The late Jack uh, McGowan, who is who died during the making of it. Um, okay, Kitty Wynn is still alive. Jason Miller, who is no longer with us, and Linda Blair. Oh my goodness, super freak. Yep. Apparently, that song isn't really about her. It was the first film, a horror film, ever to be nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture, Best Director, and then the acting categories I mean there's names in here like Captain Howdy I mean come on there's the 2000 director's cut ending which I've never seen eventually I will have to but something interesting happened okay alright let's go into it and that was of course Mercedes McCambridge the voice the voice is so important because without Mercedes McCambridge, you don't have that demon voice. I mean, they, they could have used Linda Blair's voice, which they were planning to do, and then kind of, you know, cook it up in, in like a final mix and all that. But it didn't happen. And I want to find it. Oh, sub subliminal imagery. We'll get to that. I'm I'm kind of reading through it, and of course that music. That music is terrifying. 
and the curse on the film, the nine deaths. Yeah, you don't you don't fuck around with that. You just don't fuck around with it. You could fuck around and find out, but you don't fuck around with The Exorcist. And um, I mean, it was it was a big hit. It scared people shitless. Um. <laughs> rating controversy but I'm really looking for yeah let's see I mean it was the first of its kind you know before before th- this is before Stephen King was selling the rights to his novels for horror films you know the exorcist was doing it and but it was also it was talking about something that we don't talk about which is religion and um yeah exorcisms oh god and there were sequels I've never seen the sequels I don't want to Oh, the omen, and yeah. Okay, it, it doesn't have it here. So, what happened was. <laughs> I believe. Okay, oh, is this it? Hmm. Okay. Because Mercedes McCambridge. You think of it, she was in Giant, she was in, uh, what's that one film, um, Johnny Guitar, which I call the big lesbian romp, because it is, it is, McCambridge, McCambridge provided the dubbed voice of Pazu, Pazuzu, is that how you say it, it's, it's sad, Pazuzu, the demon possessing the young girl Reagan played by Linda Blair, in The Exorcist. The sound is disturbing as possible. McCambridge insisted on swallowing raw eggs, chain smoking, and drinking whiskey to make her voice harsh and her performance aggressive. Director William Friedkin also arranged for her to be bound to a chair during recording so that the demon seemed to be struggling against its restraints. Friedkin claimed that she initially requested no credit for the film, fearing it would take away from the attention of Blair's performance, but later complained about her absence of credit during the film's premiere. Her dispute with Freakin and the Warner Brothers over her exclusion ended when the help with the help of the Screen Actors Guild, she was properly credited for her vocal work in the film. That's what I was getting to. Okay. Oh my god. She's known she's known for multiple things. She was a radio actress, she was a TV actress, she was a film actress. But she is forever known as the voice of the demon. And The Exorcist. The Exorcist really... And the late Dick Smith. We gotta talk about Dick Smith. It's not always about... It's the motion picture arts and sciences. All of these people who go in to make a film. And of course, the cinematographer who is still with us. 
um, which is great. I don't, does he still, whoa, he did a lot of cinematography. He did the French Connection, The Exorcist Network. Owen Roisman, who did the cinematography, and I wanted to mention Dick Smith, the late Dick Smith, okay? Dick Smith did the makeup for The Exorcist, and I believe he, I don't, they weren't giving Oscars for the makeup yet. That didn't happen until the 80s, I believe. Because of um, see see how things work though you know I I think eventually he did win an Oscar I'm not sure um that that's really uh, you know when it comes to a movie a movie is really it's it's the arts and the sciences it's everything coming together you've got the set design and you've got the makeup people and you've got the sound the sound of the exorcist and all those cra- all that craziness that was going on i'm going to be honest with you the first time i watched the exorcist it, it scared me a little bit it made me go whoa i need to have the lights on and also i was i was battling the flu wrong time to watch it but don't worry i didn't throw up anything green and um then over time I found it funny so you know whenever Beetlejuice says I see The Exorcist but 167 times and it keeps getting funnier every time I see it yeah yeah. I mean there's people that I'm related to who were raised very religious and it scared them it didn't scare me it just made me go oh okay great makeup yeah great special effects the fact that they had that room cold so that you could see the breath because this is before digital this is before drawing you know like the ex- like uh, the titanic you could draw in the breath and the special effects and the cgi this is way before that way before that but what i liked about it though was all the behind the scenes okay everybody who worked on this film it, it really is see yeah if you look at the Oscar nominations William Peter Blatty um, William Freakin Ellen Burstyn Jason Miller Linda Blair William okay um, art direction cinematography best film editing best sound it won best sound and it won best screenplay but it was not nominated for best makeup and um that really is an injustice because you don't have shit without the makeup. You just don't. You don't. And I say that because these, you know, like last year, how the Academy, they didn't have certain categories. That was so fucked up. And they better not do that again. Because a film, a film, when you make you, a film is like making a cake, okay? In a, in an in an essence, you have to have all the right ingredients. It, okay, it's like making a house. It really is because you actually have to build structures. So let's take the cake. I'm tired. Let's take the cake scenario out of it. But the production, the production really was intriguing 
to me because of the makeup by Dick Smith. Oh my God. And the writing and the production itself. And then you had this really great actor whom I absolutely love. I love Max von Sydow, um, who, you know, played the knight in um, The Seventh Seal and was the bad guy in Three Days of the Condor and Pele the Conqueror. And he, his last role, I believe, was extremely loud and incredibly close. And he died in 2020. But because he was not that old at the time of the making of The Exorcist, they had to put makeup on him to make him look older. Kind of like what they did with Brando and um, The Godfather. And so that's a testament to Dick Smith, the amazing Dick Smith. And the whole production of The Exorcist, and yes, I don't want to talk about the curse. Don't fuck with it. Just don't fuck with it. Okay? And they fucked around and found out. And a lot of things happen on the set. But the film itself stands the test of time. 50 years later, it has been parodied. There are Funko Pops. That's when you know you've made it. There are Legos of The Exorcist. When you mention that name, that film title right there, you are always going to get a reaction out of people. You just are. That is the kind of film that it is. I'm not going to talk about everything that anyone and everyone talks about the film. The fact that the lasting impact of The Exorcist, good or bad, 50 years later, we're still talking about it. And how William Freakin culled his, his creative team together. Because that's what a good director does. Is to, okay, you know, you do this and you do that and... Okay, that looks great. Uh, you know, the gate is looking clean. And, you know, there's all this verbiage that a director has to give in the sound. I mean, come on. And the performances. I mean, Freakin was a little, well, not a little. He was brutal when it came to those performances. He had done that with Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman had done The French Connection. And Gene Hackman was having to say a lot of things that he didn't like. And Freakin was like, well, fuck it. You're going to say it. And Hackman went on to win an Oscar for it. And with The Exorcist, there's a, a priest, a real-life priest in there. And he's not an actor, and he can't emote. And he was having to deliver the last rites at a very uh, traumatic time. And so Freakin, he says, you know, I'm sorry. I can't I emote. And Freakin, like, oh, okay, that's all right. And he slapped the priest or across the face and boom so the fact that he was able he i mean he fucked with people by doing that and then ellen burston talks about how she had this rig in her back where she gets slapped and then she's supposed to fall and they fucked her back up because they pulled it she's screaming turn the effing camera off and that's the shot that they use where she's just reeling in pain so a director can also be a sadist at times. They're not a saint. They can be a sadist because they know, boom, got it. You know, oh, I'm sorry about your back, but, and that bug, and it's not really sorry. We got that shot because that's what we want. Okay. And that's what interests me. I, the whole mate, there are certain films where the making of the film is very intriguing. There is actually. Remember the time of VHSs? 
first time I ever rented The Exorcist, there is a behind the scenes. Okay, at the beginning. That is just, I, I think it was 25 years later. And here we are. I, I wonder how they're going to do that 50 years. Because many of the cast is gone now, you know. Uh, the Exorcist himself uh, Max von Sydow and, and Jason Miller, who was the priest who performed the exorcism with Max von Sydow. Ellen Burstyn is in her 80s. And then Linda Blair. Linda Blair is still with us. Now, 1973 was an interesting year. First of all, I wasn't alive yet. I wasn't even a thought. Thank goodness. But 1973, you had The Exorcist. You had... Um, Paper Moon, which would, you know, compete with, you know, Linda Blair was nominated for The Exorcist. She lost to Tatum O'Neill for Paper Moon. Tatum O'Neill is now still forever the youngest Academy Award winner in the history of that Academy. She was 10 years old. And hers is more of a lead. That's how they kind of determine who's going to win. If it's more of a lead, because a true a true supporting actor is not always in the entire film. Well, Linda or Linda Blair, well, she's in the entire film. That's also kind of a lead, and but there are moments that she's not. So I take that back. But Tatum O'Neill, that's a lead performance. But they're not going to nominate her for a lead until years later when they started doing that. So they gave it supporting, and then. Um, the film that beat The Exorcist in Paper Moon was The Sting. It was the pairing of Robert Redford and Paul Newman once again under the direction of George Roy Hill, the late George Roy Hill, because they had done um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. That was forever successful, and they wanted to do another one, which was The Sting. So The Sting beat out The Exorcist and Paper Moon for Best Picture and Best Director. And then I think that year um, Ellen Burstyn she would she would win the next year for um, Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore but she lost to Glenda Jackson. Uh, Max von Sydow wasn't even nominated which I think is just that that's the way that Academy is that academy it's like kissing the ring okay and it wasn't until decades later max von Sydow that got he played such great villains i'm always stunned that they never gave him like an honorary oscar which they do to a lot of character actors because if you think of all the films that max von Sydow made with ingmar bergman okay and then he's playing the Exorcist, the good guy, and then he's playing Emperor Ming and Flash Gordon, the bad guy. Then he's playing the bad guy in Three Days of the Condor. Then he's the voice of Vigo in Ghostbusters 2. So yeah, it's it's about that motion picture arts and sciences. And and then also the case of Linda Blair. There were when when she does that scene where she vomits the green the pea soup. That's not really Linda Blair. That's Eileen Dietz. Eileen, Eileen Dietz, who was older and the same size as Linda Blair. And they attached these, you know, this thing 
that where she would spew out pea soup. So those were the scenes that they used. This 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 whole production of The Exorcist was legendary. There are people who don't want to talk about that film to this day. They don't want to watch it. That's understandable. But I echo what Mercedes McCambridge said. When people were like, oh my god, it's so horrible. Oh, it's just a movie. Eat your popcorn. Yeah, it's a movie. Whether it's based on fact or fiction, it is a movie. And when you make a movie, you're doing everything to make it exceptional. Because you're telling a story, a narrative. So whether it's true or not... That's like saying, you know, oh, Fargo is based on a true story. It's not. But they're, they're getting you with that. With The Exorcist, it was all about these different partnerships coming together to make this extraordinary film that was plagued with a lot of problems. But it, it saw fruition and everything. And whether it wins awards or not, that's the thing. It's legendary. Sequels or no sequels, that that film itself stands the test of time. And, I mean, 50 years later, we're talking about it. And um, that that's really the lasting legacy of a film. It's hard to believe it's been 50 years. The 1970s. You know, when I was growing up, 50 years ago was like the, the 30s. That was 50 years ago. Now it's the 70s. <laughs> See how time just melts. It melts. Um, but yeah, it's it's all about the, po- the post-production and the sound and... Oh, we should read this. Alleged subliminal imagery. The Exorcist was also at the center of controversy due to its alleged subliminal imagery introduced as special effects during the production of the film. Oh, God. A whole chapter. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't even want to read that. That's so silly. That's so silly. It's silly. And the music. The music. I mean... And the music is the tubular bells. Yeah, it became it became a hit. The Exorcist theme became a hit. Hard to believe. Principal photography began in August of 1972, and it was scheduled to last 105 days due to the production problems and accidents on set. It took over 200 days to wrap. As a result, the film went to 2.5 million. Which is twelve point five million in modern dollars over budget, ultimately costing the studio twelve million fifty nine point eight million in modern dollars to make. <coughs> um, yeah, it's it's really um, it's a legendary film, and if you want it. It's available on HBO Max, Vudu, Amazon Prime, Blu-ray, DVD. It's one of those films that had people wrapping around the corner 
to see. And and that was the sign of, that was the era of the times that they were they were scared of this film, but they still, like Psycho, went to watch it. And the response, you know, it's it's marred with controversy, with intrigue, like all things. When you're gonna do something along these levels, you're gonna have your controversy. But the legacy, oh my goodness. The legacy of The Exorcist is, is extraordinary. It's been parodied in Saturday Night Live. Richard Pryor as Karis. Lorraine Newman as Reagan. Even Ghostbusters. Remember Sigourney Weaver and Bill Murray? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> There's even a parody with Linda Blair called Repossessed. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Uh, the AFI... Put on 100 Years, 100 Chills at number three. Oh, shit. AFI's 100 Years, 100 Heroes and Villains. Reagan McDeal is number nine as a villain. Okay. Yeah. Oh, here we go. There's another film coming out, but I think the original film itself holds up brilliantly 50 years later. There's no need for sequels. There's no need to retell it. It's been told before. And um, let's let's leave it at that. Let's leave it at that. Is that these filmmakers and William Freakin, who is still with us, made this this very daring film 50 years ago in 1973. As always, Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, Unpleasant Dreams. <laughs>